The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. In these days, there's a rush away from biblical truth. The fancy word for that is apostasy. Ignoring or rejecting biblical truth is a sign of the last days. And the Bible itself warns us that this will happen. Apostasy in the churches, that great falling away and desertion of the truth, is a big sign that we live in troubling times. But that doesn't mean God's hands are tied and that he can't sovereignly send refreshing waves of revival in the midst of moral corruption and great things can still be achieved by prayer and you can be part of a great call for intercession. Hello, I'm Christine Darig. The Apostle Paul warned his protege Timothy that in the last days, evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The Evangelical Alliance in Britain recently came out with some statistics from a survey to show the dismal level of Bible knowledge in the UK. Nearly two out of five people in Britain don't know that Jesus was a real person who actually lived. And 25% of those who were surveyed between the ages of 18 to 35 positively believe Jesus wasn't a real person. This state of ignorance makes it all but impossible for many people to understand Jesus at all or to comprehend the central doctrine of Christianity that God sent his son into the world to be sacrificed in our place and to rescue us from our inherent sinful nature. It's a perplexing feature of the generation of universal secondary education that millions of people actually know very little about anything. All you have to do is go out on the streets and ask people to identify photos of great persons of the present or the past and the average person is appallingly ignorant, or so it seems. Britain's Education Act of 1944 was made education free for all pupils. But before 1944, a far higher proportion of the population actually learned the basic historic facts of Jesus' life, as well as the essential claims made for his divinity. Before compulsory education, more than 80% of children in Britain were educated, usually free, by the churches. Well, a man on the street survey in the UK this past summer confirmed that biblical knowledge has fallen to a very low level. For example, a basic question was asked, what were the names of the first man and woman mentioned in the Bible? and 15% of the people on the street didn't know the names Adam and Eve, or they gave a wrong answer. And how about this question? Do you know how evil came into the world? 71% of the people on the street said they didn't know, or they gave a wrong answer. 
and only 29% attributed the source, the source of evil to Lucifer or Satan. And to the question, do you know how King David, when he was a youth, killed the giant Goliath? 52% answered correctly with a slingshot in a stone, but 48% didn't know or they gave a wrong answer. So what can be done about such biblical illiteracy in our nation? Is revival even possible? What will it take for this nation to come back to God? And how important are intercessors? These are all vital questions that we are addressing in this program. One of the public prayer groups that I administer on Facebook is called Britain Will Be Saved by Praying Women. The group is based upon a famous prophecy that was given in the year 1911 by a certain clergyman named Bishop Aristocoli of the Russian Orthodox Church. The prophecy contains a phrase that Britain in the last days will be saved by praying women. And one of the greatest intercessors in the history of the Bible in the church were, of course, men of God. But this prophecy said that women in the last days will come to the fore. And indeed, didn't even the prophet Joel predict in the Bible that in the last days the Holy Spirit will be poured out on the handmaidens as well as on the young men and the young women? Some of the events mentioned in the bishop's prophecy have already been fulfilled. He prophesied, and I think about this phrase often, he said, tell the women that they must absolutely belong to God. He said the women must believe in the great things that are happening and that God is doing in the earth. And he said they must prepare their souls, their children, and even their husbands. So the word implied that men in the last days would be dragging their heels spiritually and they would not be the spiritual leaders that they should be in the homes. The bishop prophesied, and the women will have very much work to do for God. Oh, what a great work the women will have to do in the end time. And he said, the men will follow them. Well, that's really out of order biblically, but I'm just sharing this bishop's amazing prophecy. His word went on to say that not one country would be without trial but not to be frightened by anything that we hear, but to trust in God. This prophecy was given before the Russian Revolution. And so it's interesting that the bishop went on to prophesy about what became known, of course, as communism. He said back in 1911, an evil will shortly take over Russia and wherever this evil comes, rivers of blood will flow. He said this evil will take the whole world and wherever it goes, rivers of blood will flow because of it. He said, it's not the Russian soul, but it will be an imposition upon the Russian soul. It would not be an ideology or a philosophy, but he said, a spirit from hell. The prophecy also said that in the last days, Germany would be divided in two and that France would come to nothing and Italy would be judged by natural disasters. And now listen to this, this prophecy that was given in 1911. The bishop said, Britain will lose her empire and all of her colonies will come 
to total ruin. But a female monarch will be on the throne and Britain will be saved by praying women. And what about America? Was the United States mentioned at all in this prophetic word? The prophecy went on to say that America will feed the world but will finally collapse and Russia and China will destroy each other. And Russia will be finally free and from Russia believers will go forth and turn many from the nations to God. Of course the Bible says that all such words must be tested but for your information this prophecy from the year 1911 can be googled on the internet. It was published in Prophecy Today magazine in September 1986 soon after the Carmel gathering where it was prophesied that the Soviet Union was about to collapse. It was also published in the January and February 2000, the year 2000 issue of Prophecy Today in an article that was entitled Prophecies of Our Times. Well, I first heard about this prophecy from my friend, now of blessed memory, Lance Lambert. Lance recalled that a Russian Orthodox nun named Mother Barbara, who lived on the Mount of Olives, had heard the prophecy when she was a young girl about age 16 in Russia in a place north of Moscow. And it's significant that the 1911 prophecy predicted Britain would lose her empire and all of her colonies, but would be saved by praying women. Indeed, after two world wars, when all seemed lost, God did save Britain. And the question is, will he do it again? The Lord has used remarkable prayer warriors in the past and through their intercessions, Reese Howells of Wales and the Bible College of Wales, many of whom were women, helped through their prayers to keep Hitler and the Nazis out of Britain. And today, God still seeks intercessors, but he seldom finds them, according to Isaiah 59 and 16, which states, that God saw that there was no man and he wondered that there was no intercessor. And God also protested his disappointment over the lack of intercessors in Ezekiel 22:30, which states, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I shouldn't destroy it. But I found none. Reese Howells used to say that some people think intercession is just intensified prayer, and it is, as long as you emphasize the word intensified. For he said there are three characteristics displayed in an intercessor that are not necessarily featured in ordinary prayer, and these are identification, agony, and authority. Reese Howells noted that identification is the first law of the intercessor. This is because an intercessor pleads effectively because they greatly identify with those for whom they are pleading and they're even willing to give their life for them. But before the Holy Spirit can lead a chosen vessel into such a life of intense intercession, the love of money has to be dealt with as well as personal ambition, natural affection for family and appetites and so forth things that make even a born-again person live unto themselves. But Howell said that by inner burdens, by calls to outward obedience, the Holy Spirit begins to live his own life 
of love and sacrifice for a, a lost world through true intercessors and their prayers. And agony is definitely part of this kind of intense prayer warfare because real suffering and pain is involved on behalf of souls with an intense, painful, desperate desire for definite answers in prayer. And the authority of an intercessor involves having a secret history with God and his dealings and concerns the learning the ability to prevail with God like a lawyer with a judge. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous person does avail much. And an intercessor can even get God to change his mind. Imagine that. But Moses, by intercession, did that. He became the savior of Israel and he prevented the destruction of his nation back in the Old Testament when God's wrath against the Israelites was hot. And in the New Testament, Paul, like Moses, was also willing to be blotted out on behalf of his people Israel. And Paul's intercession is still effective today as the results are ongoing. Is God able to raise up intercessors of this quality again? Yes, indeed. But unless the Lord dramatically intervenes, we see nothing but judgment coming upon our Western nations. Yet, even in judgment, the Lord is well able to grant an awakening that could sweep millions into the kingdom of God. We have to stay in faith. Recently in my daily readings, I came to Ezekiel chapter 14. And there, verses 13 to 14, the Lord declares, Son of man, if a country sins against me by being unfaithful, and I stretch out my hand against it and cut off its food supply, and send famine upon it and kill its people and their animals. Even though God said these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in their midst, by their own righteousness, they could deliver themselves only. Those words always stop me in my tracks every time I read them. You see, the Lord declared that under the circumstances of that day, that even if those three great men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were put together. They could not save son or daughter, but they could only save themselves. What does this teach us? This teaches us that the righteousness of good men can't save their relatives from the terrors of the world to come. The apostle Peter called Noah a preacher of righteousness. And those three men who had found favor in the sight of God, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were eminent in prayer. Not only did they pray, but they got definite answers in prayer. And in, they, in their day, they were the means of saving many. Noah saved his family by preparing an ark, according to the Lord's instructions. But the old world wasn't saved from the flood. Only Noah and his family were saved. Daniel was an instrument of saving the lives of not only his companions, but also the wise men of Chaldea. But his own people weren't preserved from captivity in Daniel's day, and not even Daniel himself. Because of national sins, Daniel had to go into captivity along with him, as righteous as he was. Think about that. Job, by his prayer for his friends, placated the wrath of God against them. But Job's own children weren't saved, even though he interceded 
and made sacrifices on their behalf. Well, thank God, in the age of grace that we're in, there's still yet a little time remaining to intercede for souls and for entire nations. Again and again, God has saved households and nations because of righteous intercessors. God bless the house of Potiphar for Joseph's sake. And as I said, Joseph accepted the intercession of Moses on behalf of Israel to spare them from well-deserved judgment. And for Paul's sake, in the book of Acts, God saved a shipload of people in a horrific storm at sea. But in Ezekiel 14, the prayers of a righteous person like Noah, Daniel, or Job would only count for themselves. Soon the day of intercession will be finished, and the truth is every soul must give an account individually to God. But prophets and intercessors in this time of the closing of the age of Gentiles must not cease to pray for the lands in which we live. We live in a great intercessory period, and God will reward the man, the woman, who's of a broken and contrite heart. Oh, to have the gift of intercession, the power of pleading with God on behalf of those who never think to plead for themselves. Some people only seem to have the capacity to pray for themselves, but others do have the capacity, by the grace of God, to carry ministries, to pray for leaders, cities, entire nations, continents, even the very world they seem to carry in their hearts. Well, my friend, Dr. Edward Masai, who is a Pakistani pastor and one of the trustees of our ministry, said that his mother of blessed memory often remarked that some people are proud of their children if they become doctors, lawyers, or professors, and so forth. But she said, I'm most proud that my two sons are praying men of God. Amen. If we can be known throughout eternity for our soul winning or for our prevailing prayers, what could be a better accolade? And one of my heroes was an American missionary who preached in the Punjab in India before partition. The area where he lived and ministered is now in Pakistan. John Nelson Hyde was an intercessor for the lost, and he was known as Praying Hyde. There's at least one book on his life by that title that I read years ago called Praying Hyde, Apostle of Prayer. The fervency of John Hyde's godly parents at the family altar greatly contributed to his power in intercessory prayer. And his Presbyterian father had prayed for God to raise up many missionaries. And so it wasn't surprising that John felt God calling him to India. And he asked a friend, give me all the arguments for the foreign field. And his friend wisely said, get down on your knees and stay there until the matter is settled. Amen. And so John Hyde set sail for India, one of my beloved nations, in 1892 with an ambition to do something great for God. And on the way, he read a letter from a friend who prayed that God would fill him with the Holy Spirit. Well, that touched John Hyde's pride. He became angry at the suggestion that he didn't already have the Holy Spirit. And so he crumpled up the letter and threw it away. But he also came under conviction and he humbled himself and prayed to God for power as on the day of Pentecost. 
and he prayed the prayer of Jabez, which is found in 1 Chronicles 4.10. You know, it's a popular prayer because a best-selling book was written about the prayer of Jabez a few years ago. And it goes like this. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. But for John Hyde and all true men and women of God, first trials and spiritual warfare proceed, spiritual enlargement. We must learn the ways of God. For 20 years, Hyde labored in the back of beyond in villages of India, proclaiming the good news of salvation with a tent and a few native workers, with not so spectacular results. But he was building a history of faithfulness with God. His faith didn't fail because he believed his petitions would be answered. He said, and this is an important principle, if the heart is right with God, blessings can't be withheld. They can only be delayed. John Hyde began to spend entire nights in prayer. But even here, we have to stop and acknowledge the truth of what John the Baptist taught in the gospel in John 3:27, which says no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. And so this prayer burden was given by the Holy Spirit. In 1904, John Hyde formed the Punjab Prayer Union, and members set aside a half hour to pray each day for spiritual revival in India. In 1908, he shared his dream that there would be one conversion a day, and a year later, over 400 more converts had come to the Lord. At this point, John was nicknamed Praying Hyde because of his passionate prayers to reach lost souls. And through his missionary work, millions of people accepted Jesus in India and what today is Pakistan from the seeds of the gospel that he planted. The effect was felt throughout all of India and the breadth of heaven swept over the land and it could be traced largely to the kneeling figure of Praying Hyde. We never know how much time is allotted us to serve the Lord. For John Hyde, only seven more years of labor remained as God's servant. But during that time, he entered deeply into the spirit of intercession, and prayer literally became his meat and drink. He set a new goal for the next 12 months of two conversions a day. And again, his faith and intercessory prayers were rewarded, and at the year's end, through his contacts, 800 persons were known to have come to the Savior. In the last convention that he attended in 1910, his health was failing, but he pled with God for the conversion of four souls a day, and divine assurance was given that it would happen. And often a greater number would be given in answer to his prayers. People testified that there was nothing superficial about the converts resulting from his intercession. Nearly all of them became active Christians and pioneers for the next generations of believers. Amen. 
Well, at the beginning of the program, I spoke about apostasy, which means the departure from biblical truth, a big sign of the last days. And Paul told his protege Timothy that in the last days, evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Intercessors like Reese Howells, like Praying Hyde, even intercessors like Noah, who interceded for an entire generation, Daniel, who interceded for Israel, and Job, who interceded for his friends and family. We need this level of prayer warriors. Yet the prophecy that I also mentioned in this program said that in the last days, Britain will be saved by praying women. There are many groups of praying women, such as the Lydia Fellowship International, Women's Aglow, and many others. Men, women, boys, and girls. We can all have an intercessory role. According to the prophet Joel, who said that in the last days, God will pour out His Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Hallelujah. Although Jesus will come soon and this dispensation will close, nevertheless, the times we're living in right now are still the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. God's law was once written on tablets of stone for men to read, but now God's law is written on tablets of flesh, on our very hearts. And God's rule becomes an inward law as led by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. The days of the Messiah are the last days, and anybody can have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Any class of people, not just a priestly class, but any gender, any age, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, if we will repent and receive Him into our hearts. This is true equality. The Spirit is given through Jesus to all the world. He is already everywhere that missionaries desire to be. And if you want a fresh, clean start, invite the Lord into your heart today and without delay. He will cleanse you, empower you, and give your life great meaning and purpose. Amen. Well, I invite you to watch all of our teaching videos at any time in our website, exploits.tv. And in our website, there are important news items and vital prayer points that we post a couple of times each week to help you to pray intelligently for the peace of Jerusalem. And because a great deal of this program has concerned intercession, you can learn about our intercessory prayer conferences also at our website. We also invite you to sign up electronically to receive our free ministry magazine called Exploits. Our ministry also wants to connect with you on the social media via Facebook and Twitter. And so until next time, earnestly contending for the faith and praying always for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darg. Shalom. In addition to our video teachings, you'll find so much more on our website, exploits.tv. You'll find articles and news about Israel and the world from a fresh biblical perspective. The website has details of my books and our events in Israel. And oh, by the way, there's also a handy donation link that makes all of our Jerusalem Channel activities possible. So enjoy surfing the web and be sure to become friends with me on Facebook and Twitter.